everyone, and thanks for being with us again today. Di Wilcox and I are here with Tori Bowman-Johnson. Tori's the author of Afterwards, Postpartum Life, Mum to Mum, The Sweet, The Awkward, The Perplexing. And just let me say at the outset that I admire anyone who can get it together to write a book in the postpartum months. Writing a really great book gets extra accolades from me. And this is a really great read and we're really delighted to share it with you today. Being a new mum is a huge milestone which comes with many challenges, not to mention the overwhelming lack of sleep. Adjusting to the new role of motherhood is both exciting and daunting. Our preconceptions of motherhood being totally dependent on the mother's love and commitment to make baby's life a joyful, peaceful, warm and fuzzy one can soon be blown out of the water when you suddenly realise that this beautiful little bundle has a will of its own. Di and I often speak about these preconceptions and we'll get into that in a minute. All those feelings, questioning your capabilities, your worthiness, the guilt, the frustration and the realisation that being a mother isn't perhaps going to be the walk in the park you'd hoped for um, can have some finding that their life's crashing down around them. There's a lot of joy as well. It's not all bad. So when you meet a mum like Tori, who's got it together to write a book in the postpartum months, and I mean, this is a really great book. You realise how amazing this is. Tori's written a winner, delving into all the nitty gritty stuff that new mums need to know about all the time while mothering her new little bundle of joy, Hamish. Every generation has its Bible. My mum had paediatrician Dr Benjamin Spock. His book was The Common Sense Book of Baby and Child Care, a very serious title, written in 1946. It was a bestseller because it broke with conventional thinking of the times, which promoted detachment, strict schedules, letting children cry themselves to sleep and little affection. I mean, you can't even imagine that, can you, Di? That's terrible. Anyway, Dr Spock encouraged mothers to think for themselves and to trust their instincts. He, He was a pioneer. My bookshelf still holds a tattered copy of Every Woman, and that was the go-to book back in the 80s for me and my girlfriends. This one gave an overview of a woman's life journey from puberty to menopause, and it had particularly graphic pictures of what to expect from your body as you age. You know, all droopy boobs and butt and tummy spread. It was really great. Gave you a lot to look forward to. and But it also gave a pretty good overview of pregnancy and birth, But but it stopped there. Di, did you have a go-to book? We did. We had What to Expect When You're Expecting. Mm. Uh, But the one that you spoke about, I remember that was on my mum's bookshelf. So it was obviously a very popular one of the times. Hello, Di. Hello. Hello. And Tori, I'm just going to intro this with something you said. Um, You say in your book, there's something warm and significant about books when they're shared through generations like vintage jewels. I absolutely love this and it's so true because a good book can bring comfort as well as knowledge and Tori's book is one of those bibles for the early throes of motherhood, the postpartum days, and we're going to unpack it all today. Hi, Tori. Hi. Congratulations. Thank you. I might be waxing lyrical there, but it's really a great read. I really enjoyed it. And um, Tori, you said you wrote the book when you realised your own complete lack of human biology knowledge. Mm. So you wrote a a no-holds-barred Bible on the body. Yes. So... 
talk us through that because in there you've got the body, the pelvic floor, everything. All the bits. Firstly, yeah. thank you so much for that introduction. That's very flattering. Yeah. Um, yeah, before I gave birth to Hamish, I literally knew I had my period or I was lucky enough to get my period regularly once a month. Mm. And that's really the extent of what I knew. I never delved too far into it. Um, and then I fell pregnant and then obviously your body changes then you have this baby, your body changes even more. And that's the point I thought, wow, I really need to sort of take a step back and learn what my body is actually all about mm. so I can understand where I'm at now. So it was really for me just going backwards and educating myself. And yeah, just knowledge is power. If you can understand something, can visualise it in your head, it actually gives you this great sense of comfort and confidence. Mm. And I found the more reading I did and the more questions I asked, no matter how awkward I felt, the more confident I felt in myself and then as a mum. And it just, that flow on effect is extremely evident. Mm. And it's something, yeah, I mean, I'm probably um, in the minority. A lot of women probably do know much more than I do, but... Ooh, I don't I would, know about that. I yeah. think you know a lot. <laughs> well, I would just encourage everyone, it's when you have your baby, it, yes, it's about your pregnant body and it's about your postpartum body, but it's also just about your female body and understanding what's inside and how it's all working together. And, yeah, but isn't yeah. it interesting? We, we learn human biology at school, yes. but we actually don't go into the life skills of how your body changes when you do have a baby. Yeah, so it exactly. Is, you, you're sitting here saying, oh, there are probably women that know a lot more than me. I actually agree with Di. I don't think so. No. I, I don't think people actually realise the changes that happen. Yeah. And then when it happens, it's a real shock. It now, is. Maybe through pregnancy they do, but like Dietori says, having a baby for the first time is a little like moving to a foreign country and sharing a hostel dorm with someone you've never met before. You both speak very different languages and therefore communication is tricky. So babies have only one language and that's crying. Mm. Sometimes trying to work out exactly what that means is not impossible. What, what do you mm. have to well, say Well, first to that, of all, I need parents to understand don't freak out when you first get this little newborn baby mm. and you, you feel like you don't understand their cries. Mm. Now, interestingly, babies do have different cries. So um, a low-pitched rhythmic receptive cry, it can be a baby... Um, feeling hungry and they're mm. reaching for your boob and they're, they're yep. wanting their milk and then you get a whiny nasal continuous cry and that's a baby saying hey I've had enough I need a nap sleep yeah, yeah. I need a sleep mm. and then of course if a baby is first cooing and then they start fussing they're like I'm bored pick me up do something mm. with me and then for all those poor mothers out there who've had a colicky baby mm. that is a I cry all on its mm. own all night long yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. but yes. one thing we have to I think that's really important to say here it's okay to feel stressed and worked up when your baby is crying. Oh, 100%. Okay? Mm. It, it doesn't mean you're a bad parent. No. But what you do need to have is some steps to cope with that because you don't mm. want to end up hurting yourself or your baby from the stress and the anger mm. that can really get worked up in you. So you need to take a big, deep breath and remember, this is not going to last. Um, give yourself mm. a break. And if you've got a good support system, someone else to take the baby for a little bit. Yep. If you don't, it's actually okay to make sure your baby's safe in their cot close the door and walk away rather that yes. than, than shaking or, or getting angry at mm. the baby. And take good care of yourself so you're in a good mental... We talk about this all yeah. the time, Di. It's, yeah. You can't give from an empty cup. And, of course, seek professional help. Now, a lot of people worry that if they seek professional help, 
it means they're a failure as a parent. That couldn't be further from the truth. Mm. You want the best for your baby and mm. sometimes seeking that professional help is what you need to do. That's right. Yeah. And Tori, so there's so much to relate to in your book. Um, can you talk us through those first six weeks from your perspective? Oh gosh, they were, the first six weeks were foreign. Everything felt different when we walked mm. through the house. I remember feeling it, nothing felt the same. Um, mm. And that actually made me feel a little sad. I was so happy to have the baby, but I was quite—I felt quite sad that the baby and I weren't physically attached anymore. Mm. And then a little sad that Will and I, my husband, the relationship we had was different, and the house was different. And my root—I'm a big routine girl, so it all hit me that God, I can't go to bed and read my book and just get up tomorrow. I have to, you know, I have to pander to this baby every second of the day for the rest of time and this all came to me and I didn't necessarily feel depressed or upset by it but I I felt very alarmed by the weight of change and I think Mm. it took me a couple of days to get into a new routine and remind myself that you know I am a big routine girl so the task now is just to create a new routine and slip back into that comfort and include baby and include baby in the relationship between Will and I in the house in my everyday, just try and accept it day by day and not let that weight of change. Because if it, if it does make you feel sad or depressed, it will, you know, compound very quickly. So to mm. get on top of that and just to accept that it is different now and to find the little joys and to find your little rhythm, that's that was my biggest, um, I think that was my biggest task for those six weeks yeah. is to just try and enjoy it in, in the way that I enjoyed it and not in the way that I thought you know, it was the right way. Yes, yeah. And Di, so on the those first six weeks for a new mum, it is that period of change, isn't it? It really is. And it can actually take up to six weeks before you start actually feeling some normalcy about who you are and, yeah. and feeling like yourself again. Um, and it's, again, really important to have um, a healthcare professional to speak to if you're worried about things that are happening yes. that don't feel normal to you because there are a lot of physical and emotional changes mm. that no one ever talks about. So, um, you know, you've got this pain. Um, mm. There's that breast engorgement and nipple pain and those yeah. things that no one ever speaks of that actually yeah. happen and they're quite common and normal. Yeah. And cabbage, we had... I did the cabbage thing. That's still a thing. I did the cabbage thing and it stinks. Um, But but I did it. Yes. Um, The night sweats. I had hideous night sweats for at least six weeks and that Mm. was really surprising to me. And it it just added another level of uncomfort. You know, I just... The hours that I was in bed and able to sleep yeah. to get up and to be drenched in sweat, it was just another thing that well, I thought, tired where is well, the... Right? Exactly. You're, t- you're really tired. Yes. And that, that's a, a common feeling. Yeah. Um, and so that those first six weeks, it's really important to take time for yourself. And yes. for those of us who try and do it all, um, it's okay to let someone else help you. Yeah. And, and ask uh, for help. Absolutely. Sleep deprivation, it is, it's not a feeling of being tired. You, I mean, you are tired, but you are, you're very discombobulated upstairs and it's a new overwhelming weight. And I think there's so much stress around not getting it all together because you are sleep deprived. It's a very quick word to say, but to mm. actually acknowledge how, what sleep deprivation does to your brain, mm. it's massive and you've got hormones going nuts and you've got no sense of control. It's, it's much bigger than I think women give themselves credit for. It's it's a big time in your life, and you and meanwhile you're the second priority because the first priority is baby. So yeah. it, it's a it's a fine line, and it's 
Yeah, it's hard. And sometimes I think you feel so grateful to have the baby, you feel quite ashamed to say this is hard and I'm That's not enjoying right. all this because... Yeah. That adds to it. Yeah. yeah. But um, six weeks has got a bit of a magic moment feeling to it. Hasn't hasn't a baby's first smile and mum's supposed to start bouncing back to some kind of normality. And Tori, you say this is just a cruel tease. It's I not agree six weeks. You. I it's agree with not. you. Yeah. It's like we have these milestones and... And it's not always like that. No, no, I mean, Hamish is almost two and I still have to work daily on my pelvic floor because I noticed the other day just skipping. I've, you know, I've sort of ignored my pelvic floor for a few months and even skipping, I just, I knew instantly that I was not, um, the my control of my bladder, it was not at where it should be or where it was post-baby and that's not within six weeks, that's almost two years later. So yeah. it's, you know, there's a particular things that happen in six weeks, but after that, the postpartum, um, you know, the postpartum experience, it continues. And I think what you're saying there is everybody's experience is so unique. Yes, so, that's true. So, you know, you can, you can read um, every expert book in the world yeah. and your experience is still going to be unique to other people. Mm. So you can't be alarmed by that. You just have to, as again, to speak to someone who really understands your body and who you are and, what, and yes. your circumstances and just go with the flow a little bit. You, yeah. Having a baby is a little bit of loss of control of life because mm. you, you really learn to mm. let go and have to go with the flow. Yeah. So that's going to let us swing really nicely into the topic of sex. Yes. Postpartum <laughs> sex. And you say it's funny, but it's intense, scary and big. And Tori, you talk about partners who've watched the birth of the baby and then the insecurities that some women feel about their attractiveness mm. afterwards. Yeah. Because they see you in a whole different light. Um, yeah. You know. They see you in a different light. They hear you in a different light. And it's it, it's probably quite very alarming, I'm sure, you know, men, for a lot yeah. of men to mm-hmm. go through that. I suppose we, our, my GP is very, um, she was really great at sort of reminding me that, you know, when you feel up for it, you should try and have sex after six weeks because you are um, healed downstairs. So just try because the more you leave it, the harder it's going to get mm. mentally. Mm. So I think the idea of having sex again, it's so big for so many women because you've just gone through so much trauma. You know, your body's just done wild things even if you had a vagina birth or a cesarean mm. and it's your your body has changed you've got these boobs that aren't your normal boobs you've, you've got they're probably leaking you're probably sore and tired you probably look you know extremely sleep derived and pale and you don't feel you might not feel you like feel it but you're sexy. obligated yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so my in my personal experience for me it was just that I just needed to slowly get back into it because I was so fearful of it Mm. and that fear didn't go away for months and months but I just knew that the only way to sort of ease my body and my mind back into it is just remind myself that it's a natural part of life and it will return to you know normal and you know I don't like the word normal but it will return to something that is um, enjoyable but it's it's a time thing. Yes and and I think Di that's part of this centering around a woman fulfilling two roles so Mm. the carefree sexy 
girl she was um, now has to divide her love and attention. That's mm. hard for some men too. Yeah, and I think mm. it's it's really important for women that they don't feel obligated to be the sexy partner. Yeah. Um, it, it's okay to talk to your partner and be really open and explain your true feelings. Mm. And sex doesn't have to be straightaway intercourse. Like intimacy mm. can be mm. holding hands, kissing, cuddling yeah. and, and, and getting to know each other again, you know, and I think that's important. Yeah. And you you want your partner to understand they're still love because as dive what you're saying there dies men feel rejected for a period of time because yeah. one not minute, all men not all men not but all some but, but some do I've, they I've feel a bit like well hang on a minute I was the centre of your world and now this little human beings come along yeah. and and they've kind of pushed me out the way so I think it's doing little things for each other like even leaving notes around the house to remind each other mm. that that you matter still to me or send your partner a text while he's at work to say I love you little things like that just Just so they feel connection yes feel that connection Um, and it's okay for an hour um, each week maybe while the baby's really young to go let's have an hour's date let someone look after the baby for an hour and let's go and have a drink together or let's eat a meal together do something that reminds you that you're you're still um, just the two of you just the two and to remind yourselves we Will and I just had sort of a date day the other day and we sort of said from the outset as much as we love Hamish let's just not talk about Hamish today let's just talk about us and yeah, our really lives important. and yeah it doesn't it's not you know it doesn't mean you don't love your baby but you need to you are still you and you that relationship is still what it was and it's fine to tap back into that mm-hmm. and, um, it's, and impo- it's important to do so important for yourselves and your baby to have that solid two relationship yeah, yeah. bringing it up so Tori you've even gone into the nitty-gritty of when it's safe to get back to those pre-baby beauty routines like Brazilians. <laughs> that was another massive Brazilians. fear of mine. Ridiculous. Yeah. But to be honest, that fear was another reason I wrote the book because I felt quite silly having that fear and superficial and a bit vain. And, mm. you know, it's. I don't think any woman should feel that way. You know, we spend... You want to feel the best in your body and you want to do things that make you feel good. And that might be... Um, that might be waxing, that might be using particular skin care with retinol or vitamin A or whatever whatever else, but it's okay to want to continue those after your baby. It's completely normal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're superficial. Um, but I did worry those, and I never asked anyone about when I could go back to those, the skin routine or the, the mm-hmm. waxing, and it got to a point where it's like, well, why don't I just ask my friend who's a beautician? Like, it's not an embarrassing thing, but I was fearful about the pain, but I was also fearful about is she going, is the beautician going to look at me and look at my body and think, oh, God, something's really, you know, traumatic's happened here. <laughs> and, of course, that is so not the case. No, it's not. So you just have to, you just have to continue to rationalise with your own mind, thinking these things are normal, these thoughts are normal, and life does go on after baby, you know? Yeah. That's the main thing, I think. And, Di, in the book, Tori talks about our favourite subject, mother's guilt, (laughs) and being overwhelmed about Mm. the countless ways a baby changes your life. So all the time you've lost, the loss of control of your own body, which we've spoken about, the days like when you could just drive your car alone and Mm. weren't worried, and 
What's your take on that kind of Mr. Guilt? I, I actually really it? love the way that um, you expressed those feelings because I think they're, again, very unique. Very real. To every, to very, real very unique um, mm. feelings that people go through that we, we don't talk about. But mother guilt, like even um, you saying getting in a car and driving off by yourself for the first time or leaving mm. the baby somewhere. I, one thing we haven't mentioned when we've spoken about mother guilt in the past is routine. Routine can really help with mother guilt because you can schedule quality time in with the loved ones in your family mm-hmm. um, and Absolutely. it sounds very um, you know it sounds a little bit harsh to say schedule time in but sometimes in our busy world that's what you have to do mm, and you have to say absolutely. this is when I'm going to spend quality time um, sharing your responsibilities with your partner is another one that we've spoken about that mm-hmm. can alleviate some of that mother guilt yeah. it, it's yeah. not just on you to do everything you no. know so, so mm-hmm. as mothers and we you have can't this you just can't no. do it all and you put these expectations on yourself which adds to your mother guilt and uh, then we've got the big one that Di and I also talk a lot about, social media comparison. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm. So you're looking at other mums who've had a baby at a similar time to you and going, wow, they've got their life together. Look at their baby. That's not my reality. What we've mm. got to remember is actually that's not their reality either. No. Okay. No. They, took, they took a million but, photos to get that one. Yes, yes they did. And having said that, I'm seeing a lot more tear-stained social media posts these yeah, days. Yeah, it's all like, oh, look, just don't worry about that, guys. This is the real me and I'm crying. And, and I don't think that's funny because oh, well, yeah. I think women are trying to support one another. I think mm. we're starting to realise that to help one another, we have to be real. So that's mm. what I loved about your book. You're helping women by being real. When, we're, when we talk about the realities and mm. share our stories rather than have the pretend everything's okay, don't air your dirty laundry in public. Mm. Um, the facade. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I just plucked so many things out of the book and we could spend hours on it. But another one that I thought was maybe unique to you bringing this up, because I never thought about this, but mm. it's actually true. You said that even though a new mum is exhausted and having all those feelings we've talked about, somehow she manages to have another feeling in there. And that feeling was boredom. Oh, yeah. You said, even though all that's going on, and I really yes. clicked into what you meant, but I'd love you to explain that. Well... You know, when I say boredom, when you're at home with a baby, there's a lot of mundane activities Mm -hmm. happening around. There's a lot of washing. There's a lot of, you know, not even cooking, but it's just the, when the baby naps and you're at home, you've just got to sort yourself out. You can't go out. And, you know, when the baby is having a bad day and you've had plans and you've had to cancel those plans and you're staying in, there's a lot that happens in a day that is not exciting and it is not necessarily rewarding. Mundane. And it's, yeah, it's mundane. mundane and it is a little boring. And I love to, I'm always a busy person. I'm a highly creative person. So I actually feel like I'm wasting time when I'm not doing something. So again, it's just about trying to find comfort in the fact that just by being there, by being in the home, you're doing a great thing, but it can feel... Boring. Very stagnant, I, yeah. I, I learned something about those mundane chores and it was when I was doing a lot of meditation and they said, use those things like ironing or washing, do it as a meditation. Yeah. And that was one of the most helpful pieces of advice I've ever had in my life because sometimes yes. when I'm, and I go, oh, God, this is boring, I just want it to be over, I'll click into that mindfulness thing and actually do it as a meditation and, and you found really it very helped. calming. I really found mm. it calming. Yeah. And, and also, um, you had a greater acceptance of what you were doing, if oh. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Now when I go out to our 
our washing lines in our garage. So even on a winter, cold, freezing day when I'm out mm. there freezing, hanging out the washing, I remind myself that I'm just, it's just me. I've got, there's nothing around me, like savour this moment because yeah. it's peaceful, mm. you know? So it, it's it's amazing how those boring things can be quite rewarding in the end. But yeah, it's it's. I think it's okay to be bored, yeah, you, you know, changing just... nappies and that is boring. Like, well, I, I mean, for me, I found those tasks to be quite, um, yeah, boring. And, and then I felt guilty for feeling that way because, again, you've, you've got a baby and you're so lucky and it's just always this big balance thing of, you know, you, you're allowed to feel feelings. Yes, That's okay. Exactly. And another thing, another one of the pearls from the book says, the transition from me to mother is beyond language. The postnatal journey is a one-way ticket. So true. <laughs> you never return to the life you lived before you became mama. Tori, you said it was, I mean, it's quite full on for you, personally, <laughs> horrifically terrifying. It was, and I always laugh because my mum always says, oh, can you remember life without Hamish? And I kind of giggle going, oh, God, no. But actually, I can remember life without Hamish. And I think all mums can remember the time when they weren't, you know, so dependent on all the time. Yeah. And it it is scary because you're... You can change your life to an extent when you've got a baby, but you are always, um, you're anchored to them. Yeah. Well, you have baby, a responsibility. People, yeah. People always used to say, oh, baby's going to fit into my life. We're yeah. just going to throw it in the car with <laughs> yes. us and off we go. And, and wouldn't and, that be and nice? That's one of the great myths, I think. But So, die. Yeah. Baby blues, postnatal depression and postnatal anxiety are very real for some new mums. Look, they really are. And, and one of the things we've got to watch, as I've been seeing a lot of lately, is people doing their self-diagnose or using Google Doctor mm. to diagnose how they're feeling. And again, Sarah I know Google. I've said this a lot in, in today's podcast, but you need to use a professional. You know, don't mm-hmm. don't do those sort of self-diagnose things. And it's very common for all women who've just had a baby to experience some anxiety, some mm. crying spells, um, having difficulty sleeping, um, mood swings. Yeah. We've got a lot of hormones kicking around after you've just had a baby. And postnatal depression is not a sign, again, of weakness. No. It, it, it's a symptom of, of you've just given birth to this little human being. And it can be managed. And with the right help, you can get through it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. again, it's reminding yourself that, yes, this is a, a part of my journey that I've got mm. to work through and get help with, but it, it, won't, it doesn't have to last forever. Um, you need to... Uh, fathers get depressed yeah. as yes. well. And yeah. this is something we don't yeah. talk enough about. So if a father is feeling sad or he's feeling uh, fatigued, he's not sleeping, not just because of the baby, but he's got yeah. all these worries and, and anxieties running through his head, he needs to seek professional help too. Um, there are amazing support groups and therapists and, and we need to look out for them. Yeah. yeah, I thought when throughout the course of your pregnancy and even the first six weeks, you always do little... Um, questionnaires um, with the maternal health nurse or the mm. or the GP and they always so you basically answer the questions on how you're feeling um, very good to very low and there's a scale and I I always think the, the most important word that comes out of those is the word cope and if if you're really honest with yourself and you feel like you can't cope with the everyday and you're not coping with your emotions and you're not coping with life in general, you've got to be really honest with yourself. I think we, you know, we're so good women and people in general these days of just 
trying our best to do or it all. Putting a mask on. Putting a mask yeah. on. But if you're yeah. really not coping and you know that in the gut of your tummy, that's where you really need to seek professional help because, again, the downfall can really spiral out of control if you don't that's take right. accountability for it. Yeah. Um, Tori, as I've said, there's so many great takeaways from Afterwards. It's a great book, but and you probably have many you'd like to share, but would you like to read one of your favourite parts? I would. Yes. And I'm going to read It's the last chapter, and it's the smallest chapter, but I feel now with um, COVID and lockdowns, it's quite relevant, and it's basically the topic of uh, women and mums who have suffered from depression and anxiety before the baby, and after the baby and they've, they've managed. But um, for me, when I fell pregnant, I decided to come off antidepressants, which I'd been taking for um, eight odd years and just give my body the chance to, you know, mm. just go back to all natural, which is certainly not the right way. It's just what I chose. And then six months postpartum, I felt the old triggers coming back and it was a real mental battle for me um, to think I'm still breastfeeding and... I, I am really tempted to go back on the antidepressants to get back to um, where I'm, you know, in my happy place. Mm. And that felt, that was an, a big decision because obviously when it comes to any medications when you're pregnant, you, there's just so many ticks of approval and then there's so many doubts. So um, I think when it comes to mental health, you just have to do what's right for you because if you're confident and happy as a mother, that will... Um, carry through to your baby and your relationship um, with your partner. Yeah. So I think sometimes you just have to think, well, how, how am I, again, best going to cope? And for me, that was going back on medication. So um, sorry, let's take a read. Yes. Uh, let's take the postnatal out of postnatal depression for a moment and just focus on mothers who have suffered from mental health or a mental health issue prior to becoming pregnant or having a baby. Whether it's depression you've previously tangled with or anxiety or anything else, the introduction of a baby in your life shouldn't encourage you to ignore the illness. Yes, you are a mother now, but you are still you. While postpartum life brings change, some things in your life will stay the same, like my heinous ability to share food. I assumed motherhood would make me generously giving. It turns out if I have fruit toast, it's just my fruit toast. <laughs> While I will be very careful not to generalise this subject that it is so varied and unique to each individual, I will inject a little of myself into the text as I have danced with depression in the past. So for those listening like me, hopefully you'll find an inch of comfort here. For years, I've lived with what's commonly known as a textbook chemical imbalance. When I'm in the thick of it, my centre is frowning to one side. I feel disconnected from what is familiar to me in my life. Friday night loses its buzz, Sunday morning loses its ease. Everything melts into a flat puddle and I become a spectator of my own life. I can see the dinner party where my friends and family sit. I just can't get to the table because there is a big glass wall in front of me. The glass is heavy and it's fogged. Put simply, during my patches of greyness, I'm unable to firmly ground my feet, leaving me floating around like an aloof detached bubble. When I was 22 and living away from home, I took myself to the GP as my bubble had started to stray a little too far from home. I felt nervous for the first time. From that day onwards, I was properly diagnosed and I started medication. Along with exercise, a good diet and an eye out for my triggers, when you are someone who have known these feelings for some time, you become very aware of your triggers. My life changed for the better. The glass wall vanished and the bubble landed safely on the ground. Since then, I've come off the medication a few times. I can't explain it, but on a few occasions, I felt like I had the urge to go solo. 
Periods without it can last well for months or years, but when I see or I feel a trigger, I go back to the path I know will lead me home. Life is too short to be lost when you know exactly where you need to be. When I fell pregnant, I had a discussion with my GP about whether or not to stay on the meds throughout the nine months. Many women do stay on medication. I must stress that point. I, however, decided to come off them and see how I went. If at any point that bubble was whisking me away, I knew what to do. Luckily for me, I got through the nine months with no issue. I adored pregnancy and the devilish little D-man, depression, kept his sweet distance. Six months into motherhood, the continuation of my ability to get up every day and feel good, positive, and like myself continued. I was over the moon. I was a little surprised, if I am to be honest, and I was very grateful. Just after the six-month mark, I can't remember the exact moment or even if there was an exact moment, but I could feel myself starting to float away. For some reason, I never thought twice about whether I whether or not I could have been postnatal depression or it could have been postnatal depression. It just felt too familiar to be anything else but what I knew. I made an appointment with the GP, had a long chat, asked a zillion questions, what if, what if, what if, and at the end of the day, I returned to my usual dose. Do I feel disappointed, ashamed, or as if I have failed? Absolutely not. I feel insanely lucky that I have the option to feel good and feel okay. I feel grateful, unlike many other people, I know that I know my triggers and I know my cure. I feel indebted to our healthcare system and I just feel so overjoyed that I can now wake up again every day knowing I can give my son, my whole family, all of me. If you have dealt with mental health hiccups in the past, then you know. It is a sure way to feel, to, it is a sure way to an isolated loneliness that no one should ever have to endure if there was an option to escape it. Pregnancy and breastfeeding do create many hurdles and ignite serious discussions about risk and poten potential side effects. This bit can't be disregarded, nor can it be sugar-coated. Having said that, if there is a cure, um, then I urge you to have a chat to your GP. Please speak to a medical healthcare professional openly, candidly and promptly if you feel like you need help. Access to help is a life luxury. I will always say your baby needs to be the priority in your life when you are a parent, of course. I will also say that as a priority, I will also say that as your priority, your well-being is paramount. They need to be well. They need you to be well. Just remember, looking after yourself is looking after your baby. Wow, very powerful. Mm, very, very well articulated, and I'm sure that's going to help a lot of others who've had those feelings. I hope so, because yeah. when, and if you are someone who suffers from the smallest to the largest of mental health, if there is a way out, you are yeah. so in your right to find that way out as yeah. soon as possible. Um, and if there, if you are a mum, it's just even more, um, it, there's just a greater need for you to, to chase yeah. a solution. And I think the wonderful thing now is that there's no shame in people no, seeking help. No. no. Mm -hmm. Which there were. People used to suffer in silence and you're not doing that. It's all out in the open. Yeah. Um, I've got to say one thing, though. We probably sound like we're focusing on all the challenges, but I'm sure you've had some beautiful ba um, moments yes. with Hamish. There's a lot of joy in being a new parent. It's wonderful. So we're not negating all of no. that, but we are here to try and help people who are having challenges and who can know that it's normal to feel these other feelings, all the, all the things Absolutely. we've talked about today. And there's something, I adore being a mum and I, mm. I worried, I wasn't very maternal previous to Hamish and I did mm. worry that I wouldn't feel 
like the mums that I looked, you know, looked out and adored and I thought, oh gosh, maybe I'm going to be a bit more disconnected. But I love being a mum and I love that now I do have someone that comes before me and I think it's a really wonderful and very humbling experience to become a mum because you do put everything into that human and you take a step back and your ability for perspective, your ability to sort of recalibrate your perspective is like nothing nothing else and it's mm. it's a really powerful and wonderful experience and you're just so lucky to become a mum that's mm. great it was a great book isn't it's it, a great darling? book and I really love the fact that you don't have to read it from cover to cover you can look at no, different chop chapters and yes and chop and change depending on what your need is at the time and I think that that always makes for a great book but mm. I it made there were parts that made me laugh and parts that yeah. made me cry and that was you know that's a good book mm. always does that I think it's yeah. a great book. So, Tori, we've just loved having you with us. You, you're a Thank ray you. of sunshine. You, you've articulated everything so beautifully and it was just a joy to meet you and have you. So I hope everyone listening has something valuable to take away from today. And I thank you as well for your No, thank you. Thank you always. both, ladies. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. And as you said, you know, postpartum, it's, it's not all negative. There are so many amazing mm. parts to it. There's just a few gritty topics that um, women feel too awkward to ask, and that's, I think, what the book addresses. You've addressed everything. Yeah, I hope so, yes. You have, you have. So everyone, Afterwards is the name of the book, so please go and get one. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.